Hey guys, so excited for another month here. We are talking about preaching this month and we have a special guest with us. We're here to visit Pastor Mike Vole, Reverend Mike Vole at North Point Community Church. Uh, he is, he's like a mentor of mine. He's one of my favorite communicators, my favorite preachers. And so we get to hear a little bit from him on how he develops sermons and, uh, and all that stuff. So before we begin, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're serving. Sounds good, Jeremy. Thanks a lot for having me on this awesome podcast. <laughs> um, I've been here at North Point Community Church uh, since 2005, and uh, so about 13 and a half years as the associate pastor. Uh, before that, I was a youth pastor at Broadway Church in Vancouver for about eight years. Uh, also did a little bit of work uh, in the inner city, um, helped start up uh, something called The Warehouse in Vancouver. So that's a little bit of my ministry background as well. Uh, teach uh, at Vanguard College, do their uh, intermediate practicum for the pastoral program. Uh, love doing that, love being with students. Mike, why don't you tell me a little bit about your creative process, like in when you're developing your sermon, what does your creative process look like? When I was early on in uh, my pastoral, you know, career, I, I, I was really having a hard time coming up with um, writing new sermons. And um, one of the things that I, that I realized is that even though we give lip service to prayer, uh, I was not praying a lot in the development of my sermon. A lot of times after I've come up with the sermon, I'd pray a lot that God would bless it. And, and I know it seems like it goes without saying, but the first thing really is prayer, to bathe it in prayer. When I bathe things in prayer, it's like God just begins to open up my heart. He opens up my mind. And then when I, when I choose the scripture, I know that I actually am preaching what God wants me to preach. I have a new confidence. And so I would say to those that are, that are young preachers, uh, uh, you know, really learning the ropes, I would say spend a lot of time in prayer. Even before you crack your Bible or anything like that, just say, God, what do you want to say to the people? Uh, Lord, what is the heart of the people? You know, because you're trying to reach those people. And then when it comes uh, to the creative process, so when I when I do uh, come up with a, a scripture, I, I have that confidence that the scripture is is the right scripture, that God wants me to preach out of that. Um, the next thing that I do is uh, I take out uh, a pad of paper and a pen. I'm really old school that way, but it allows me to draw circles. It allows me to underline and allows me to draw arrows. A lot of times it looks like, a, you know, almost like a playbook for, you know, some football coach in the end. And I just go over that scripture over and over and over. I'm kind of bathing in that scripture. I'm, I'm taking out, you know, some words and saying, what does that word really mean? Am I making assumptions about those words? So really doing a word study. Um, and and as I'm as I'm doing that, you know, ideas are coming to my mind. You know, mm -hmm. things are coming to my mind. I'm starting to really get into that scripture. You know, one of the things that I would really encourage uh, people to do as well is is memorize that scripture. You know, actually commit it to memory so it is so deep within you that that you know it inside and out. Really meditate on that scripture. So when I've done that, when I've been writing down things, it's amazing some of the things that come to the surface that God starts to reveal to me. You know, scriptures that I thought I really knew cold that I knew inside and out, all of a sudden I'm seeing new vistas, you know, to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm preaching about peace um, next. And as I was going through uh, my scriptures, uh, I, I realized that a lot of times in, in this day and age, peace means an absence 
of conflict. And yet, really, uh, a biblical understanding of peace is not so much an absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ. You know, so if we were, if I wasn't spending time marinating in that and, and really spending time in the word, you know, I could easily preach a message that is more to do with, you know, finding that absence of conflict or, or when everything gets good rather than really realizing that Christ wants to be in the middle of our conflict, mm-hmm. you know, that he wants to bring his presence, which is peace in the middle of that. And so, you know, just that, that whole idea of meditation and, and that, that really makes you uh, have to take time. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I don't like to see is when people are preaching last minute, they're, they're doing all of their last minute prep, you know, on a Saturday night, what we would call like a Saturday night special. Uh, maybe you're a youth pastor and it's kind of like even Friday afternoon, you're thinking, oh man, what should I say? <laughs> and I just want to encourage people, spend more time. The more time that you have, the more that God can reveal, the more that it can get inside of you. <clears throat> the more that you can commit it to memory mm-hmm. and the more powerful it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been times where I felt like I was going in one direction in terms of my sermon prep and halfway through the week, God really, he just, he turns things around mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that he did. But, but if I didn't allow time, that could never happen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always a good thing to start early. Often I'll start even two weeks early and, you know, I'll just, I'll get that scripture, you know, and I, I am just meditating on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's cool. Then I go to my commentaries, you know, I go to different books. What are other pastors saying about Mm -hmm. this? I mean, we need to draw on other people often Mm -hmm. though, that that's the first thing we do. Let God speak to you first, Mm -hmm. you know, let God speak to you as a communicator, then go to the commentaries and, and you'll know whether, whether you're kind of in line or in the Mm -hmm. same, you know, sort of camp as, as some of these others. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think do that and, and some, some other communicators. And once I've done that, you know, uh, I begin to put together my message and what I really have been honing in on, especially in the last three or four years, is rather than, you know, preaching three points or four points, I try to just preach one point. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, I can only remember one thing usually. I don't so not, no three points in a poem? No, no, not three <laughs> points in a poem. Uh, definitely not the poem. <laughs> Maybe the three points. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just more convinced than ever yeah. that what are you trying to say? A lot of times, <clears throat> even in our sermon prep, we get confused when we're doing it, mm-hmm. that what am I really trying to say? And, and I just say, friends, if you're confused, what do you think your audience is going to be? So, so really get it in your mind. What is the one thing I want them to walk away from? You know, so for example, you know, you could be preaching out of Proverbs uh, chapter three, verses five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Well, a lot of times we'll do that in one sermon and it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. But I would say, man, you could talk about, you know, finding, you know, God's will or, or getting direction from the Lord. And you could make that into a one month series. Mm-hmm. You know, because there, there's one month worth of material and then you can actually dig deep mm-hmm. and everyone can go home with one thing, mm-hmm. trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, what does that mm-hmm. mean? So I just want to encourage people and that's a great way to get mileage uh, out of things, right? Mm-hmm. And so don't feel like you have to preach everything you know. The younger we are at um, doing sermons and, and giving messages, the more we feel that we have to give them everything we know. 
And, and that, is, that, is a, that is a terrible mistake because then your main point gets lost. Yeah. You know, it's better to have people walk away hungry, wishing that you would have spoken more than to have them walk away rolling their eyes like, please help us. I just want to get out of here. So to what degree does your personal experience, like things you walk through every day, speak right. into your sermon writing and your prep? Well, I, I think it should uh, be a huge part of your sermon prep, you know, what you've personally gone through. It doesn't need to be in every single sermon, but your audience wants to know that you have actually walked through this or you're walking through it. So, you know, if I'm talking about parenting, I am going to draw an illustration of, of what's going on with my children's life and, and maybe some of the difficulties that I've had with parenting. People want to know that you're real. And I have actually found that, you know, my scars, the wounds, the things where I have messed up and I have really made mistakes in those areas, that they become my most powerful tools in preaching. That when I have surrendered those areas unto the Lord, and I'm able to share with people, see the scar, see, see that area in my life that I was not doing well in. As I surrendered that to the Lord, he has really helped me through. So I, I'm, I'm showing them a living example. This is how the gospel works. And I would say that you can't even speak a good sermon until it's become personal to you. If you don't feel a personal conviction about it, you probably haven't learned that scripture well enough to teach it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I'm always asking the Lord to do is, Lord, stir my heart in this area. Stir my heart in this area. Lord, teach me something here. Uh, Because if I feel like I've mastered that area, it's not going to come across very good. It's going to come across either very arrogant or very flat. And so let it get inside of you, you know, and when you do that, oh man, you're going to, you're going to hit it out of the park. So, Mike, what have you learned, uh, like, when you're, when you're actually presenting your sermon, your talk, what have you learned from the stage to actually communicate more effectively? Yeah, one of the things that has been the hardest thing for me to learn is, is to actually be myself. And, and, and that might sound funny, but as an associate pastor, I'm always speaking in someone else's sermon series, and I want to honor them. You know, uh, I've got a wonderful mentor in Pastor Bob. He's a wonderful communicator. And, uh, but often I'll be speaking, you know, the second or the third in that series. And I want to honor what's been said before and also to set up the next sermon. And so there was a, a time in my life where I, I really held back and, and maybe, you know, was, was trying to, to fit a style uh, that wasn't mine. You know, people would see me, uh, you know, speak at a camp or a conference and they'd be like, wow, that's a lot different than when you're, you know, at North Point. And, and I wasn't trying in any way to be fake or, or anything like that. I just, I wanted to fit into that. And I would just say that as a, as a young person today, um, one of the, the, the big challenges is there is, is so much on YouTube. There are so many awesome communicators that, um, that you can listen to on a daily basis. You know, you can have your fill of, you know, Stephen Furtick or Levi Lesko, and you can start to sound like them. Mm. And that is a mistake because there's only one Stephen Furtick. There's only one Levi Lesko. There's only one Mike Vole. Mm-hmm. And so I got to be the best Mike Vole I can be. And so, you know, be yourself. Yeah. You know, if you've got a dry sense of humor, have a dry sense of humor. If you don't have a dry sense of humor, don't put on a dry sense of humor because you know it works for someone else. Yeah. 
because people will spot that fake. Mm-hmm. You know, they will see that it's not genuine. And uh, I see that way too often. I'll, I'll see uh, young pastors, young preachers, they'll be speaking. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, that's not them. They're being Car- Carl Lentz right now, yeah. you know? Uh, and, uh, and it just doesn't fit. When you're yourself, that's where you can be the most powerful. The other thing that I found is that, um, you know, to connect with uh, the audience, to connect with the congregation, you know, to make eye contact, I I definitely try to scan uh, back and forth. Uh, I want to make sure that every person, right from the front to the back and and both sides, that they feel like I'm engaged with them. And so I am very uh, cognizant of that all the time. You know, in terms of my body language, I I try to be very open. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm very open like this. Uh, I use we a lot. Uh, Like I said before, I I talk a lot about, you know, some of the the struggles that I might have, that I'm not talking down to people, that I want to encourage them up. So I think you can give a really hard word as well, uh, but you can do it in such an encouraging way where people walk away and they go, I just want to be more like Jesus. The other thing that I've learned is that you have to give people a next step. What is the next logical thing that they could do? How could they take the message that you have poured all this time preparing, you know, all this prayer time, and then, you know, taking your half an hour or 40 minutes to deliver this sermon? Often what we do is we don't land the plane. You know, we, yeah. we, we fly around and, we, and then we, we're supposed to land, but we never do. And people walk away and they go, well, now what am I supposed to do? And, and I think you need to do one takeaway. You know, what am I going to bring home? What am I going to do as a result of this? And if you put as much time into that as you do into a really cool intro or something like that, you will be well served because then the people will actually do something. Mm -hmm. So that could be something tangible. That could be something that they write down. That could be something that they could do even as they're walking out. But just something where they say, I've got to respond to this. It's, It's not a gospel message if we don't respond. And, and please, no matter where you're preaching, whether you know, it's an Old Testament or New Testament, make sure it always comes back to the gospel. So how do you balance speaking to different groups of people? So like you have like the skeptics, the um, already convinced, you know, you have all these different people in the room, different journeys of faith. Sure. How, do you, how do you speak to all of them at once? You know, when I'm doing my uh, sermon prep, I, I am very, you know, aware that there are going to be people, like especially at North Point, I know on any given Sunday, there are going to be some skeptics. There are going to be some a- atheists. There are going to be some that are on that journey. They're close, you know, uh, and, and I would say that those are people who are, you know, you could call them seekers, like something is stirring within them. And then, of course, we have those that are they're Christians, new in their faith, and then those that have, have been Christians, they're full-on disciples. And so that's a really big spread, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it can be hard to do. This is kind of what, what I do, is that if you see it as a funnel, at, at the very top, it's, it's kind of like the atheist, you know, that's, that's the biggest end of the, the funnel, and then it starts to narrow down, and, and you might go to the skeptics, and then you've got the seekers. That, that to me, is that's my most fun place, you know, is the seekers, uh, and, then, and then you've got those that are new into the faith, and then those that are fully committed. I would say this, the Spirit of God is really working on those who are seekers, mm. right? The, the, the Spirit of God is working on them. They're drawn. They, they might not um, have made a, a commitment to Christ, uh, but, but the Spirit of God is drawing them. There's something that they're hungry for. That's really where I'm aiming for. Okay. I'm aiming for them and, and down in, into the funnel. 
However, at the same point, I am aware that others are there. So one of the things that I do is that if I know that I'm saying something that is very uh, controversial, that I will do my best in 30, 40, 50 seconds to be able to explain why I think that. Many times we just throw out statements. Oh, well, we all know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, why do we know that? So what I'll do is I'll do my best to, to describe why I think that. You know, uh, why I think that that is, is the way that, that, uh, that Jesus is, you know, and this is what his claim was. And so, um, so I try to describe, and then for the seeker, you know, if I'm going to be preaching, you know, out of the book of John, I'll just say, you know, we're going to be looking in the book of John. It's, it's, uh, it's really a story of Jesus. Uh, and there are four stories of Jesus. We call them the Gospels. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to the book of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. Uh, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just That's all it took. It's just my way of saying, you know, rather than just saying, oh yeah, turn to the book of John chapter four or whatever. Um, because most people wouldn't recognize that. They wouldn't know what that is. So it's just my way of saying, I know you're here. I know you probably don't understand, and I'm not going to leave you in the dust just for the sake of it. I'm actually going to think through, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I preaching this word? I, I, want this, I want this to be preached so that you will understand, so that you could come to faith, so that you could you know, come to a deeper faith. And I think when you do that, that those who are even fully committed disciples, they get it. Because it's amazing to me how many fully committed disciples don't read their Bible as much as they, as they should, or even the very basic truths, we still need to rehearse them in our lives on a daily basis. That's why we do devotions on a daily basis. We read God's Word, even though we might have read it many, many, many times before, mm-hmm. we can never grow tired of hearing it mm-hmm. because we need to put it into practice. And especially if you actually will give them some take-home points that they can put into practice, that will make a lot. So for me, if I think of the final, I... I I'm cognizant, I'm aware of all of the different types of people that are there. I generally try to preach to the seekers and then, you know, to those that are nominal Christians and those that are fully committed, just because I know from the seekers down that God's spirit is doing a very heavy work in their lives. You know, if I spend all of my time preaching to the skeptics, basically what I'll do is is I'll just be arguing back and forth. I'll have these arguments and what it'll actually do is it'll actually stunt I think what, what God wants to do in that message. That's good, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. yeah. So sometimes we spend a lot of time, like I've seen people, for example, online, mm-hmm. you know, um, they'll be, they'll be fighting atheists, you know, back mm-hmm. and forth. They'll go back yeah. and forth with apologetics. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. I've rarely seen someone who does, doesn't want anything to do with Jesus to with one convincing argument say, oh man, I've got to drop this atheism. Generally, the ones that, that come to Christ are the ones where they're starting to get a little tired with some of the atheist arguments, mm-hmm. uh, that, that God's Spirit is drawing them, God's Spirit is wooing them. And, and so when, when someone who cares enough about them to share the love of Jesus with them, all of a sudden their, their defenses are down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those that have their defenses way up, I, I think that you know often our, our preaching isn't going to make that same um, impact. Mm. And of course, God's spirit is always working. That's what I want. I want them in that message, you know, to, to have a change of heart. I want the spirit to begin to speak to them, but I'm probably not going to speak, you know, to the atheists and skeptics, you know, at the, at the sake of speaking to the seekers.
yeah. and down. So Mike, for anyone just kind of starting out and just trying to develop their craft, yeah. um, what would you say to them to help encourage them to uh, develop their craft more? Well, I think the most important thing that you can do is speak as much as you can. Don't turn down opportunities. So if you're if you're young in the ministry, uh, you know, and and you haven't been pastoring for very long or haven't been preaching for very long, I would say try to accept as many invitations as you can. And you know, when I was young in ministry, I mean, I would preach to senior citizens' homes, and I would preach at our local jail. You know, I would I would preach in any kind of venue, and I tried not to turn down. You know many speaking gigs because I just knew that if I was speaking to all sorts of different people that I was going to learn. I was going to learn really quickly. And uh, sometimes it's trial by fire. You know, I've spoken to some pretty, you know, hostile crowds and, uh, and it's made me a better communicator. And so I would say do that. The second thing that I would really encourage people to do is, especially in your first five or six years, don't recycle sermons. Do your very utmost to always be preaching something new. You know, God's word is huge. There's 66 books there. You're never going to run out of material. So especially when you're young in ministry, even though you might have that one great, you know, sermon on David and Saul or whatever, um, don't give in to the temptation to use it again. There, there are so many different areas to mine in the scriptures. Do that. And if you're doing that, what it's going to do is it's really going to help you to become better at sermon prep. You're going to get faster. Uh, all of a sudden, sermon prep is going to become more natural to you. And, and I would really in, encourage that. The other thing that I would encourage is to read as much as you can about effective, you know, sermon writing. And so, you know, one of the, one of the books that was really good for for me was communicating for a change by Andy Stanley. Mm -hmm. And the thing that was that was best about that is he's just like simplify, you know? And then and then he gave a, a really good structure for uh, a sermon and and especially the transitions. I think we lose a lot of people in the transitions. Yeah. So one of the things that I encourage people to do and I still do to this day, every sermon that I give, I listen to it. And if it's videotaped, I, I watch it. And that can be painful. So you're going to watch this after? I am going to watch this. <laughs> and guaranteed, I'm going to critique myself. Yeah. And so, but it has made me better because all of a sudden I realize the words that I say over and over again. Mm -hmm. I realize some of the mannerisms that I don't even like. Yeah. So if I don't like them, I wonder what my audience thinks of them. Yeah. If, if I say a word over and over and over again, mm -hmm. maybe my audience is also going to pick up on that. If I have different nervous tics, uh, they're going to pick up on that. So I should be picking up on it. I should get better in that area. So when people say, oh, I've never listened to myself or I've never watched myself, I could never do that. I'm like, if you can't handle doing that, why would you put any audience, any congregation, any youth group through the same thing? Yeah. To me, that's almost the height of arrogance. Like, do you want to get better or not? Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to get better, listen to yourself. Watch yourself, and uh, and I think you'll get better as well. Ask some trusted people, trusted people, not just any Joe, but trusted people who love you, but who will be very honest with you. You know, what do you think about my communication? Because if you want to get good, you need to get feedback from people, legitimate feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you'll do that, it's amazing how you will kickstart yourself and how people are going to say, man, you are growing as a communicator. And so I would really encourage some of those things. That's really good. Well, Mike, uh, I'm wondering, I've been, I've been on this hunt this whole semester trying to find people uh, where they stand in their beliefs with Bigfoot. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So I want you to let our whole district know right now your thoughts on Bigfoot. Do you believe that there is such a creature? I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. There's just a, just enough of me that says there's probably a Bigfoot creature somewhere. That's, so yeah. that's two people right there. Yeah. What about what about uh, in Scotland, Loch Ness monster? I'm not sure about Loch Ness, but uh, I think there is an Ogopogo. Ogopogo, totally. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian version. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't speak, you know, for Loch Ness, but definitely, you know, I, I'm going to represent with uh, the Ogopogo in the Okanagan. Have you ever seen Ogopogo? Um, I've got some family members that, that swear they have. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for joining us. You're uh, very welcome. Why don't you share with everyone just where they can connect with you online? Um, so, Michael Vole on Facebook. Uh, MichaelVole.com uh, is my website. I do a little bit of blogging on there as well. I blog on uh, a site called RookiePreacher.com uh, periodically. And so those would be some of the areas. Insta, I think, is MikeJV76. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Really appreciate it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. It's been uh, it's been an incredible time with Mike, just hearing how he preps his sermons, how he delivers sermons, and just learning from some of the best. So, hope this has been helpful for you guys. Love you guys, and we'll chat with you soon.